Hello and welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. On this episode, the 90th episode of the podcast, I am joined by host of the Empire podcast. It is none other than Chris Hewitt. Chris was kind enough to come onto the podcast and discuss something a little different than his usual repertoire today, and that is, of course, the legendary band, the Foo Fighters. Regular listeners of the Empire podcast may be aware that Chris is, in fact, a massive fan of the Foo Fighters, and when I heard him talking about this a little over a year ago now, I decided to reach out and make an episode happen. It took a while, but we got here and I could not be happier with the conversation that we had. It was absolutely worth the wait and a perfect fit for the 90th episode of this podcast. There really is so much that we talk about in this episode. I mean, it's the Foo Fighters. You know, they've had such an amazing career and there's so much to discuss with this band. We do, of course, talk about the passing of Taylor Hawkins in the episode. So just bear that in mind. That is something that we try our best to treat with sensitivity. And it's one of those sad things that needs addressing. But really, this episode is very much a celebration of the band, of the music and what it means to us. So with all that said, let's just get on with the conversation. This is Foo Fighters with Chris Hewitt. Hello, Chris, and welcome to the Fundamentals Podcast. Hello, how are you? I'm really well, sir. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for um, inviting me onto the podcast, and uh, apologies for taking so long to uh, to actually make this happen. <laughs> Don't apologise. I know you're an incredibly busy guy, so I really do appreciate you coming on. And um, I was spurred on, actually, when I heard you on Unequal Sequel not that long ago. Um, right. Listening to that, I was like... If they can do it, and they said it took time, I will, I will persevere. <laughs> yeah, it makes me sound like some sort of diva, but it does take me a little while. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you know, you're a man who's, who's sought after. You're a busy guy. You know, you've got podcasts um, to edit, people to interview, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm sought after the uh, Interpol, the Feds, the CIA. They all want me, but <laughs> none of them have got me on their podcasts yet. So you're you're one nil up. That's the trick they're missing, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. I wonder if they should try that. Just lure people in by uh, by staging podcasts. I mean, if you're a big enough narcissist in a criminal underworld, I'm sure someone would fall for that, right? Surely. <laughs> That's how Will Graham gets Hannibal in any uh, updated Red Dragon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, and it's fascinating, man, because you're here to talk about a topic that um, I reached out to you almost a year ago when I think yeah. about it, actually. But it's great because this has ebbed and flowed and there's so much for us to talk about. And it's one that isn't close to my heart and i when i heard it, it was close to yours i was just like compelled to reach out and just thought i'd love to get your thoughts on this and that is of course the mighty mighty foo fighters so <laughs> giving you a break from a film topic chris i'm just gonna hand it straight over to you what was your introduction to the foo fighters oh lord uh okay so it would have been around uh, in fact i can remember exactly where i was i was sitting in my uh dad's car at work because uh, whenever i left school in northern ireland gives you an idea of how old i am um i would walk around to my dad's place of work and sit in his car and wait for him to finish work at 4 30 and then drive home and uh, i would put on the radio <clears throat> and listen to radio one it's probably the only time in my life i was young enough and cool enough to listen to radio one and <laughs> i listened to radio one and i remember hearing liz's call and Ooh, okay. the DJ 
at the time. It was probably Steve Wright, which again gives you an idea of how old I am. But uh, Steve Wright back in the day was Radio One's uh, afternoon DJ, disc okay. jockey, and uh, I'm pretty sure that you know, they said this is that's from the Foo Fighters, which is the new project from Dave Grohl, and uh, I was very very intrigued indeed and uh yeah from that point on i was i was very very excited to pick up the the foo fighters album so i've been i've been uh i've been there from the beginning really i've been i've been locked in right from the off i was gonna say yeah you're there pretty much from day one and dave one dave one day there you go day (laughs) one (laughs) that's the name of the episode never mind foo fighters with chris hewitt that's the title that's it yeah that's it (laughs) I've made you it's, wait a year for this, but my word, I've brought some gold. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Worth the wait, my friend. Worth the wait. Um, I'm so sorry. I should, <laughs> this is why Interpol want me. <laughs> I love this though, because I, I wasn't sure. I think Foo Fighters is one of those bands, right, that there are so many entry points now. I mean, personally, I came in at around the One by One album. Um, actually, mm. that was the one I was introduced to, but I'd heard them originally around the time of Echo Silence because... The mm. Pretender was such a big hit. Yes. You know, and loads of kids at school um, when I was a teenager, they were like, oh, you've got to check this out. And obviously at that point, they're quite well on into their career. So for you to be there from day one, I think, or day one, as I should say, Dave is one, yeah. is genuinely really, really cool. So am I guessing like you heard that track then and thought, yep, this is a bit of me. I'm going to go and buy the album. Yeah, I think so. And I think I was very excited. I mean, it's a very interesting, well, no, that's for other people to judge, but my, my relationship mm. with uh, Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, Nirvana mm-hmm. is is not the same as I would guess most people my age. Uh, okay. So most people my age were massive, massive, massive Nirvana fans before yeah. Kurt died. Uh, and I was actually a bit of a Nirvana skeptic. Um, I, I was I was a desperately desperately uncool kid, so nothing much has changed <laughs> apart from my age. Uh, and music wasn't really a huge thing for me for a long long time in school uh, until I turned about sixteen seventeen and I started getting into music. But I was still I, I still wasn't wowed or swayed by Nirvana. You know, I knew that mm. lots of my friends were going nuts for this stuff, but I was I was over in the middle of the road listening to Crowded House and REM. Yeah. And you know bands like that, bands I still love. Mm-hmm. You know, REM are my favorite band, but uh, okay. but uh, the uh, but Foo Fighters are very, very, very close. They're top mm. three, maybe even top five. Um, nice. That should have been the other way around, but there you go. And uh, <laughs> but you know, so I I wasn't really into Nirvana, and yeah. I was very resistant. I held them at, at arm's length, and I I turned my nose up at them. Uh, and then Kurt died, and everyone was just taken out by this kind of collective grief uh and so it's eventually at some point i I became friends with someone um who was a massive massive music fan and he started guiding me through music and one day he said listen just just give it a go just listen go home here's nevermind i'm going to lend you nevermind go home and listen to it and see what you think and i remember listening to it this is after kurt died obviously uh and i remember listening to it and just being blown away the first three tracks just transported me i was like oh wow because i just thought it was noise I just, yeah you know, i had that very old <laughs> old school you know informed by my mum and dad you know anything with loud guitars anything with a bit of buzz to it uh, or a bit of crunch is just noise uh, but i yeah. absolutely loved it so i got into nirvana after the fact and so i kind of started tracking I guess the you know the two surviving members i mean pat smear is a is a is another thing of course but mm-hmm. you know i started you know 
just reading all the 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 enemy and the melody maker and keeping up on what was happening. And then Foo Fighters came out, you know, Dave Grohl, which was meant to be this kind of underground lo-fi project. You know, he plays all the instruments on the, on the first album. Yeah. Um, I heard Liz is a Call. That was a transportational uh, moment in my life. And I, you know, I can still remember just sitting in the passenger seat of my dad's car and just going, what the hell is this? Yeah. Uh, and loving it. And, uh, and seeking out the album. And the album is, is just terrific, but uh, not, mm-hmm. not the best. Okay. Foo's uh, album. W- well, we can get to the best, absolutely. But I love that backdrop. And to pick up on a couple of things you've you said there, I mean, it's not that unsurprising if you're not a fan of Nirvana. I mean, to be fair, that it was very much counterculture. You know, it's yeah. it's sort of the whole thing it's based in is you know, grunge is an is a spin-off of punk, hardcore punk, and that's not for everybody. I mean, have you heard? I take it you have obviously gone back and listened to some of their other stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. for example, the album that followed after was very controversial for that reason right because they went back to the punk roots and some of it was just screaming you know some of it was just oh, in, noise in yeah neutro some of it was I mean, it's I, my favorite I love, Nirvana album that's the thing i love it i absolutely adore it for what it is but i do think i can see how some people might be initially put off and it's like anything right when something's really popular and those guys were everywhere mm-hmm there's always a bit of us, I think, that remains somewhat sceptical, right? Initially, kind of go, oh, is this really as good as everyone says? And then you hear those songs and you go, oh, no, there's a reason why this is really popular. There's a reason why, you know, everyone yeah. at school's talking about it. Um, and yeah, I just, I find it really fascinating when you look at the legacy of Nirvana to then Dave Grohl, as you say, doing this first album on his own in a basement in like a week or something stupid like that. <laughs> And you think that the bar couldn't be any lower. Like, well, I mean, the bar could be any higher in terms of expectations. But what he's done, he's just set it so low. He's like, I'm literally just making some songs in a room. And that's it. It's because he's just, that's what he does. He writes songs. Yeah. So for him to put it out and then for it to be received and for the band to just grow, I think, to the level now where I would say arguably they're probably as big, if not bigger than Nirvana in terms of their like cultural impact. You know, it's kind of, that side of the journey I find fascinating. I don't know about you, just watching him go from like just a guy yeah. in a room in a basement after going through that crazy journey, being in the biggest band in the world. He could yeah. have just disappeared into obscurity. We never would have heard of him again. But for him to come out so soon, do that, and then just build it up. It, I don't know. I just find that such an amazing legacy. Yeah, I think I agree with you completely. Dave's journey is is fascinating. And, you know, there's there's uh, there's going to be a lot of contention about some of the statements I'm going to make here. Um, oh, go for it. I, that, I love that here. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the times when I uh, I was most vilified on Twitter was a couple of years ago when I very confidently took to Twitter to went, you know what, I prefer Foo Fighters to Nirvana. And I got absolutely pilloried. I became Twitter's, <laughs> Twitter's main character for about five minutes. Get a load of this guy. What an idiot. Uh, and listen, I'm not taking anything away from Nirvana. Um, of course great, not. great set of lads, wonderful achievements. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and I love, I love particularly Nevermind and in, in Utero. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, for some reason, it's Foo Fighters who've lodged in my brain. And yeah. uh, I, I think Dave Grohl is massively underrated as mm. a songwriter. Mm. Uh, I think Everlong might just be the greatest song ever written. Um, mm-hmm. He, you know, he's obviously widely held as a genius drummer, but mm-hmm. the, very, the very fact he's also a 
an amazing guitarist, uh, an incredible vocalist with this astonishing range. Uh, mm. I don't mean like a Chris Cornell, Roy Orbison type range where he's got multiple octaves in his in his quiver. But yeah. the fact that he can, he's one of Rock's great screamers, but he's also yeah. got this lovely, very nice, melodic, pleasant singing voice when he's not doing that. And the, the fact he can alternate between the two in a, in a single song uh, is is McCartney-esque. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love that. And I think he's never really got his due. You know, all this kind of nicest man in rock stuff, yeah. I think can sometimes be used as a bit of a... I don't know, a bit of a, a bit of a, a a way to patronize him somewhat without ever really mm. tackling him as an artist. Um, you know, okay. I, I think I think quite rightly, Kurt Cobain is held as a genius, but I think there's a certain snobbishness that mm. stops people from applying the same label to Dave Grohl. Or if they do, they have to do it ironically. Or if they do, well, yeah, of course, he's a genius on a drum, on drums. And he's a genius at, you know, at certain things, but he's not a genius songwriter. But I kind of feel that he just might be because he has, yeah. he has something that I think Kurt Cobain probably also had. If you listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit, you know that he could write a, a catchy tune. <laughs> um, that, song, <laughs> that, song, that song wasn't just a hit because, you know, of its, of its drive and because of its anger and right. because of its urgency. It was, it was a really, really good tune as well. Yes. But he was also someone who leaned towards the counterculture. He was also someone who leaned towards the, the, the more abrasive uh, indie side of things. Whereas Dave Grohl is unabashedly, for the most part, mm-hmm. completely and utterly commercial as, as a songwriter. And mm. he is a massively underrated writer of great choruses. He, he writes some astonishing choruses, um, you know, from most, one of, the, one of the most recent albums, you know, The Sky is a Neighborhood has an incredible chorus mm. uh, to it. Uh, and I think that, I think, I, I don't think he quite gets his due. So that's why I'm here. I'm here to say that Dave Grohl is a genius and Foo Fighters, I prefer them to Nirvana. Now come at me, people, come at me. I'm not saying they're better, but they kind of are. Chris, I am going to very firmly plant myself in your corner because I happen to agree. My God, Genuinely. We, we are the only two people. <laughs> you, you say this, right? But I, I don't... Dave Grohl doesn't agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. yeah, he's not to kind of use the patronizing moniker, but because he is the nicest man in rock and roll, he probably would be very humble and like, oh, no, you know, I'm okay. But it's like, no, no, you are a genius. There's a reason why you can sell out stadiums. You know, there's a reason why you can announce a UK-wide tour of stadiums that sell out in 30 minutes. And no, of course, I'm not bitter about getting tickets. Why would you suggest that I am? (laughs) But, you know, I I admire the power that the man has, that he can hold a crowd of like 100,000 people in his hands. Yeah. You know, and obviously, again, it's not all just him. Obviously, there is a band and we can talk more about the band as we go, because I think Mm. it's important to shine light on these members. But Mm. as you say, as the front man, as the guy that writes so much of this, I completely agree with you. I think he is one of the greatest songwriters, I think, of our generation of, of, you know, I, I have this discussion a lot with my friends when it comes to music about how, you know, you almost feel like, are there any true legends in music anymore you know like you, there's a reason why like the beatles or queen or you know i'm into the sort of rock scene so that you look at bands like uh, maiden guns and roses these big hitters right these guys that have fundamentally changed music mm-hmm. are still out there 
I saw Metallica like two months ago and the guys are in there like 60, <laughs> 70s still going. I'm like, fair enough. But you almost sort of go, who's the next one? Yeah. Who's the next big one that can do that? And I think Foo Fighters are up there. It's like, they're one of the big stadium bands. Dave Grohl is one of these legends in music that is just so massive, you know? And, mm. and I think you're absolutely right, Chris. I think it's because he is such a great songwriter. I think the man understands how to put melody together and something I want to hear more of your thoughts on and touch upon, because I completely agree with this as well. I believe it's in the simplicity often. Yeah. It's understanding that it doesn't have to be complicated. You can just write a simple, catchy song. And if it gets into people, job done. It, which is incredibly difficult to do. If it was easy oh, it to is. do, everyone yeah. would do it. We'd all do it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, and of course, that's again, something that's used to, uh, to beat him. Uh, with from time to time that the fact there's a Foo Fighters formula to a lot of songs and, you know, quiet, mm. quiet, loud. And, you know, here comes the screaming bit in the chorus. And, uh, you know, there's a certain truth to elements of that. But I also don't think that he's ever someone who's resting on his laurels. I think, you know, if you listen no. to there's, there's a clear evolution from from the, the self-titled debut LP, you know, and, and you know, I think the the current one. Um, but here mm. we are is is extraordinary i think it's an, it's an incredible achievement but there's a clear more. progression that you know the album you mentioned earlier on echo silence patience and grace is this mm -hmm. very very interesting experiment there's the obviously the in your honor double album where one one side's yeah. acoustic one side's rock um and yeah rock is the mainstay of course of the foo fighters you know it, it kind of has to be and i think sometimes he's maybe locked in a little bit by having the band in the way that he mm. does so he always has to write songs that have parts for three guitarists and now he mm. has to have something for Rami the keyboard player to do as well so he's maybe a little hemmed in at times by that and there are times I do wish that he was he would let his freak flag fly a little bit and be more mm. experimental because Aurora which is you know probably my mm -hmm. second favorite Foo Fighters song is nice. just this glorious shimmering experimental thing that is kind of unlike anything they've they have done they, they certainly they've done before and kind of since with the possible exception of the of the teacher on the new record which kind of goes into yeah very unfoo fighters like territory uh and i kind i sometimes i wish that they would do more things like aurora mm. but then they'll do something in the foo fighters formula that is as absolutely perfect as walk or they'll do yes. something like something or something from nothing um mm -hmm. you know on the sonic highways album yeah. that is just that formula perfected um yeah you know, and i i think that's that's an incredibly important skill to have it is i i think you're completely right and that's that's the thing that again i'm with you chris it frustrates me when i have this conversation people and I go oh it's just simple it's like but what's wrong with that you know it's like the beatles look at what they did when they changed the world with music you mm. can all, and this is the thing i used to think as a ignorant metalhead teenager was like oh the beatles <laughs> that's easy anyone can do those songs it's like no, they can't actually. Yes, anyone can learn to play them. They're pretty straightforward. Same with the foos. Yeah. But to try and write one of those songs, like you say, and to be able to hit millions of people around the world with it, I I'm just floored by that. I just think that takes a certain amount of talent, I think, and, a, and just yeah. a certain amount of drive and passion for it as well. That's the other thing. And, and I agree with you. It's like, yes, the Foo Fighters have their sound. And, and all, I hate this discussion because I'm like, all bands have a sound 
that's that's called being in a band you know what i mean that's that's not an argument in my opinion and it's and it's one that people used to beat a band with isn't it because because yeah. then the next thing they'll say is either it sounds the same or it doesn't sound like it used to and it's like well pick a lane you know like yeah. that's that's why bands have a sound because you want to be able to recognize and go oh yeah that's a Foo Fighters song brilliant job done mm. the job then is to find a way to keep that interesting and I agree with you when you'd sort of just look over their discography, it is interesting. You know, I mean, one of their more underrated albums that I must admit, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well, I think deserves a bit more love. And I always encourage people to go and watch the documentary with this is the Sonic Highways album. I love that album. It's, I got to admit, when it first comes out, you kind of go, oh, it's just like six, seven, eight tracks. Mm. Okay. And they're, they're all a bit different. You're not quite sure what's going on. Go and watch the documentary. Yeah. Because, I mean, wow. How many bands do you know that can travel across America, go to different cities, absorb the culture and the sound of that city, and then write a song around that? I don't, mm. I can't think of very many people that could do that <laughs> and do it well. With great, I, uh, with great guest parts as well for, for yeah. guesting yeah, musicians. Yeah. yeah. And every song just means that much more though when you listen to it. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, but I mean, if that's not interesting, what is? Yeah, no, I, you know? I agree. I agree entirely. And I think I, I love that album. I, I think weirdly, there's probably two songs in there that I don't particularly like mm. that feel a little bit conventional, a little bit cliche, a little bit kind of, you know, AOR, MOR rock. Um, mm -hmm. um, but I love everything else. I love I love something from nothing. I love yeah. Feast in the Famine. I love the way that that song builds to a crescendo at the end. Uh, mm. Congregation's great. Subterranean's great. Uh, mm. And I Am a River is one of my top 10 Foo Fighters songs. Uh, I yeah. think it's it's just gorgeous. Um, mm. And it's a great, great album. And I think that's, that is indicative, that album, I think, of Dave's. <laughs> I've met him a couple of times. So I'm going to call him Dave. Um, yes. Yeah. Dave's um, restlessness as an artist. I think, you know, mm. it's it's very easy to kind of go, oh, you know, they'll make an album every two years and they'll they'll tour behind that album and they'll just they'll just pump out some some middle of the road tracks and not really care about stuff. But I think the he's always he's conscious of of bands kind of atrophying and yeah. and withering and dying on the fine and he's you know he's seen it happen so many times because uh, he's obviously a rock historian as well because there's nothing much he can't do um so <laughs> you know he was he's always testing himself and then you know so you look at Foo Fighters he he <laughs> writes the theme tune sings the theme tune he writes all the songs <laughs> plays all the instruments uh, yeah. shows shows the world and I think privately as well he was kind of showing you know, the spirit of Kurt, what he could do, what he was capable of, because mm. I think Kurt kind of mm. sometimes would look down at him a little bit and kind of put him in his place. Yeah. I mean, he, he was kind of the kid of the band, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, that's the impression you get is, I, I, I take it you've listened to his biography or read his biography. Yeah. No, I've stayed clear of it, actually. I, I don't Ooh, know why. I don't know why. Okay. Yeah. I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend it in audio version because it's just lovely to hear Dave tell all of these wonderful stories. <laughs> um, I could just listen to that man talk for hours. He's brilliant. I was gonna, um, I was gonna buy it and prepare for this, and then life uh, got in the way, so I, oh, I didn't, no I didn't have time. But, but and then also recommend, yeah. Well, but also Taylor died as well, and there was just something yeah. about about that that I just felt I didn't really want to go near yeah. it. I suspect one day he'll he'll release an updated version. Um, I think so. I gotta say, yeah, I, I sort of listened to it 
because it was it was almost it was really bad. I mean, the whole thing was horrendous. We'll get to that, but like, mm. yeah, the timing of it was brutal. When I sort of listened to him talking, and there's like there's like the whole chapter dedicated to their friendship and yeah. misadventures, and I just find myself feeling really emotional listening to it just for him. Just thinking, oh man, that sucks. That's yeah, yeah. Which yeah, I mean, like I said, it's another thing we can discuss with the band i mean we might as well we're on the subject now but yeah like the passing of of one member and there's something weird about that as well about history repeating itself there yeah. you know of him being in this hugely successful juggernaut and then one of them just not coping and then that's it and the relationships are different as well i mean that's the other thing i find interesting and i'll, I'll pass you over in a second i just while i'm on this train of thought yeah the sort of nirvana thing it was interesting hearing his perspective on it. He's never bitter. He's not like, you know, mm. oh, it was terrible. I had a horrible time. He loved it. He yeah. absolutely loved the experience. He was like 19 or something, you know, when they were touring the world and having a brilliant time. But then it was all over. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's the interesting thing is like the legacy of that, I feel, has haunted him up, up, up right up until this point of, you know, some of the songs, even the fact that I think the gun on the album, some people questioned and was like, oh, is that a reference to yeah you know, to, to, and it's like no it's just a silly alien toy gun and so i think he's had to work really really hard to overcome that and he's admitted what songs in their discography he has used as a platform to share his grief mm. and they're brilliant songs and then this happens and you kind of think oh man i mean i i, I feel like yeah i want to hand it over to you chris like what was your sort of initial thoughts or reactions when you heard the news about taylor yeah i mean again i remember where i was i was in st andrews in scotland um mm. up for a film festival and i was having breakfast in the hotel and i was checking twitter and suddenly twitter was just filled with tributes to taylor hawkins and i was like oh dear god yeah. um i can't believe it this is you know <laughs> genuinely awful news um you know, my my initial reaction was that you know there might have been a mis some mis a misadventure perhaps, um, and then you hear that it's a heart attack, um, and it, it's just that's just it's just awful. Fifty years old, and I remember that day just walking. There's an incredible beach in St Andrews, and it's where Chariots of Fire was filmed. You know, mm. so there's this wonderful beach is about two three miles long. And I remember just walking along that beach, listening to Foo Fighters, listening to to Taylor's drumming, um, and just feeling really emotional, which is unusual because um, I I don't tend to bond that much. I mean, you know, I'll get emotional. I've always thought I'll get emotional when McCartney goes. I'll get emotional when mm. Michael Stipe goes or Peter Buck goes. But I never really considered how much Taylor Hawkins meant to me in a in a, in a strange way. You know, he joined Foo Fighters. On the third album, you know, he was, I've seen him live a number of times. He's an amazing drummer and obviously a huge part of the band and its sound. But, you know, for some reason that, that death really, really got me. Um, I was just walking along, pouring out a metaphorical one for, for Taylor. And yeah. I think also pouring out a metaphorical one for Foo Fighters, because I thought that was it. I thought there was no yeah. way that they would carry on. Mm. I thought that uh, Dave Grohl has been through this before. You know, he had shown a couple of times in his career that there were times that his relationship with his band Foo Fighters was was a little sketchy you know mm. you know famously he came very very close to 
properly leaving that round about that time when he was moonlighting as the uh, Queens of Stone Age drummer. Yeah. Um, and there was, you know, what about a year or so before Tyler's death, he had put out that epic solo mm. uh, record of his play, mm. 23 minutes of Dave Grohl being Dave Grohl. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I thought that's it. <clears throat> there's just no way he's, he's going to want to carry on from this. You know, I know that with bands, there's a certain economical or economic imperative in a way that you have staff to pay, you have people to keep, you know, in jobs and keep, you know, yeah. people getting paying mortgages and food on the table and families to feed and all that sort of stuff. But I just thought there's no way he's going to go through this again. There's just mm. no way. But it shows the indomitability of the man, I think, in that, you know, not only did he decide to keep going on, with yeah. the band, of course, that he did so in this incredible way that pays tribute to Taylor and I think has resulted in their best album in a long time. Um, yeah. An album yeah. that's incredibly, especially in the early stages when I really started listening to it, it is just an incredibly difficult album to listen to. Um, mm. and, but then you, you get used to the lyrics, you get used to the songs and you get into it a little bit more and you just, you know, it's it's... It's him absolutely on form, but I think it's just this wonderful tribute to Taylor, as indeed was, of course, the the, the two concerts, one you know, the one in LA and the one in, in London. Yeah, and I was privileged enough to be at the one in London, oh. and I got to say, it was it was the, a the best show I think I'm ever going to see in my life because it was just legend after legend, and I just stood there with my wife like. That's Paul McCartney. That's uh, Brian May. That's you know these people that I was thinking like I'm never going to see them. That times passed. Or like that's Brian Johnson wrestling in ACDC now. This is happening. <laughs> and you know like Wolfgang Van Halen, man. I'm a huge fan of him and his work and what he's doing at the minute. And he comes out and plays tribute to his dad by shredding Van yeah. Halen songs. Another thing I thought I would never see in my lifetime. And, <laughs> but it was brilliant. But I also found myself thinking like this. I couldn't imagine a, a more fitting tribute. Because I think that's the thing that comes across right about this band. And I think it's probably the reason why Taylor's death hit really hard. Is because it's like it was the friendship and the love of music that him and Dave had in common that A, I think drove them to be the best version of that band they could possibly be, but also just be huge fans of music. And that I always believe if you love what you do, it will come through in the work that yeah. you put out there as a creative. And <clears throat> those guys love music they love playing songs they love playing big stadium rock shows mm -hmm. you know it's not a burden to them they're not doing it to pay off things or because you know they want to stay relevant they did it because they loved it and it was obvious that it took a toll and that's a whole other conversation but you know the, the way they paid tribute i thought was so fitting and i won't lie to you chris i think when his son got up there to drum my hero i don't think there was a dry eye in that stadium i think everyone was just blown away and I did remember thinking to myself at the end of it, this feels like it. This feels like this is the end, yeah. you know, and even Dave coming out on his own and just singing Everlong mm. on it by himself, just with the crowd. It felt like a really lovely way to say goodbye. And I just remember just at the very end when they all came out and waved and he said, we'll see you around. And that lodged in my brain as I left the stadium thinking like, he didn't say goodbye. That's interesting. And yeah, a yeah. year later, here we are as the album, you know, <laughs> but here we are. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. I think the album 
I was skeptical, but listening to it, particularly when you get to that last song, I don't know oh how God. you could look at it in any other way other than just a loving tribute. And frankly, let's be honest, Chris, it's an impossible situation, right? Like you said, what do you do? You're in this huge juggernaut. You're in this thing that you obviously love doing. You've got people depending on you, but also do you want to carry on with that? People are going to love or hate you either way, right? Like there's, there's no right answer. So do you know what? I respect them for just taking this swing and just doing it and just saying, we're doing an album, we're touring. Who knows how many years they got left in them, but yep. I think fair play. The end result is spectacular. And I will yeah, be there I, next I, year, mark my words. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, I haven't got tickets yet for uh, for the London shows. I I, uh, I just couldn't. Uh, it was a little bit too expensive when I got when I got into the uh, the basket. Um, you but... can ask Dave, surely. You can just oh, yeah, like, Dave, 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 if you're listening Dave, to this. Yeah, come on, I'll, help, help us out. Help I'll us out. slide into his DMs. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you remember that, that one time I interviewed you about the Muppets? Yes, it's me. <laughs> yes, give me give me free tickets, please. Um, uh, but hopefully, whenever the, the the gigs come round, I'll be mm. in a position to actually snap up something. Uh, twickets, twickets, face value. Same. That's what that's what I'll go for. Um, Same. But um, that album is is absolutely incredible. I mean the the circumstances in which they recorded it uh, to mm. do so almost entirely, in fact, entirely in secret. I don't think anyone knew anything about it until no. uh, Rescued uh, showed up. Suddenly, um, mm-hmm. you know, sounding like vintage Foo Fighters with with lyrics that just cut to the quick because I I mm-hmm. cannot see that song as anything other than it being about the moment Taylor dies um, mm-hmm. from Taylor's point of view. That's how I read that song, and yeah. it, it's it's yeah. heartbreaking and chilling. And I think the whole album is this kind of journey of grief and you know the points of view switch. And obviously, there's a lot in there about his mum as well, who passed away uh, also. Yes. To be able to pull songs like, like that, and like the teacher, and like rest, and uh, and like uh, nothing at all, from the depth of grief, is quite quite extraordinary. Um, one of the fascinating things about it is that, and unless I'm completely wrong about this, and I've missed something, they haven't interviewed for this mm-hmm. album. They haven't done a, They haven't done much press. They haven't really talked about stuff. They've done obviously live shows. Um, but I haven't seen any profiles. I haven't seen any pieces where you, you get, you know, inside Dave Grohl's genius and grief. You know, you haven't mm. seen any any features like that with him. Yeah. So everything's open to interpretation. Everything's open to, you know, mm. you, how you feel about the record and how you feel about the lyrics. I don't know whether that's the right reading of, of Rescued, but I can't see it any other way. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now and like jogging my memory. And I think you're absolutely right, Chris. I think you're spot on personally. You know, yeah. it's over my shoulder. My heart's getting colder. All, all that sort yeah. of thing. Is this happening now? You know, it, it mm. just feels like that moment that that none of them have ever spoken about. They still haven't really talked about it. I mean, they did an entire concert about Taylor. They've 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 done tweets about Taylor. They've done statements about Taylor, but they haven't done the. And I'm really glad they haven't done this. The Taylor Hawkins grief press tour, and I'm really glad. Yeah, hundred percent. And that, that's kind of my. My point, actually, to anyone who's maybe a little bit skeptical about this, uh, which fair enough, you know, yeah. but yeah, that that's kind of my go-to argument. Is exactly that. It's like, well, they've he's not he's not going around crying on sofas on you know talk shows and pretending and and do it. It's like like you said, it's just it's done with a quiet dignity. Yeah, which I love, and also 
you know, part of being an artist, part of being a musician, you're going to express what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And they're feeling loss. They've lost a friend. They've lost a brother. They have every right to express that. If anything, I don't know about you, Chris, I would find it weird if they brought out an album and just didn't reference it at all in any way, in any of the lyrics, in any of the keys or chords or any of it. I would just, you'd find that, I'd find that more disturbing than anything. <laughs> yeah, you know? True, true. Instead, what they've done is they've done this incredible concept album about learning to live with grief. And, and they're not the only ones. Lots of bands of course, do yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. But to do it in the midst of it is right. extraordinary. To do it while still feeling Taylor's mm. loss. Yeah. Uh, and I still don't think they've, and again, correct me on, on this, Harley, if, I, if I'm wrong, but mm. I still don't think they've officially confirmed that it's Dave drumming on the album. But it is Dave drumming on the album. I mean, Josh Fries, yeah. when they really did the, uh, the preparing for preparing music for concerts black and white video uh, that they did a uh, you know just before the um the the, the tour really began mm. you know he's talking to dave at one point going oh the drums you laid down on nothing at all you know how do you do mm. that you know and dave was like oh just playing with one hand you know because i was yeah. i was on my drum kit at home and i was just feeling a bit lazy so it feels to me like that that is dave confirming that he does the drums on the album and for me that's mm. the only way it could possibly have gone Right. What better way to pay tribute to yeah. Taylor, a man who had the 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 chutzpah and the force of personality and the talent to to play drums in a band led by possibly the greatest drummer in the world is is quite <laughs> is quite something. Uh, and I think yeah. I think I think I just think that's absolutely beautiful. It's so yeah. beautiful. I agree. And I, yeah, it's true. I I have to admit again, there's they've not done any press. There's not really been any information about this album even to the point where like i was trying to i referenced this album actually on a podcast i guess on recently um shout out to the guys at another happy pod um mm. and even then i was i made reference to what song is it there's one where there's a um a female voice oh show me how with show his me daughter. how that's it yeah well that's it i was like i'm sure that's his daughter i'm fairly certain that is but again there wasn't any real confirmation out there there wasn't anything on the album tracks there's there's just not really been a lot shared about the making of this album but i don't blame them because to your point i'm like yeah they they probably just wanted to do this quietly do it right make sure they were happy with it and then just put it out and again i i personally really respect that i think fair enough man and yeah for him to do the drums i did wonder listening to it that was my first instinct was like this feels like dave drumming mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, for them to announce Joss Freeze a bit later did make me think, okay, they, this is probably later on. Yeah. And, and, and do you know what? Now I'm going to go back having chatted with you about that. I'm going to go, I've already listened to this a bunch of times already, but I'll go back and listen again and pay even more attention to the drums now. Cause you guarantee there's going to be things he's purposely put in there as like nods. In fact, I thought that when I heard rescued initially, mm. there was some stuff he does on the snare, which is like quite, excuse me. It, it felt like something out of Everlong. It sort of had that same kind of, yeah. it was playing with the hi-hat. And I, and that immediately made me think of Taylor, just listening to that. And I, and I can, I guarantee that's intentional. Because the man's a genius, people. This is what we're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's jovial. Yeah, he's amiable. Uh, yes, he's very good on talk shows, but he's a genius yeah. as well. Gosh darn genius. That's what I say. Absolutely. Uh, but that goes back to what I was saying earlier on, and I, I, I got distracted as I often do in these things. You know, no, just talking fine. about this kind of this creative restlessness that drives him. Mm. You know, where people can, you know, yeah, yeah, you just cut a foo foo foo, foo like, you cut a foo fighters album every every two years, you make millions of dollars 
Fair enough. Mm. But he doesn't do that. He has all these weird side projects that he does. Oh, yeah. He's he's you know, a bit like Peter Buck in that in that respect. Um, yeah. You know, he's got like you know you don't know where he's going to pop up next or what guys he's going to pop up next. You know, he's always popping up in movies as well and TV shows, mm-hmm. and he can direct as well. And you know, I think he'd be a really good actor if he put his mind to it. Uh, also, but, agree. Yeah. but if you look at the creative journey that he's been on through the Foo Fighters, you know, you go in from uh, again the you know the Foo Fighters album where he plays all the instruments, then you have. Color in the Shape, where, mm-hmm. you know, he brings in a band for the first time, fires the drummer, uh, and, you know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, begins to find a band sound. Then he goes into, you know, there's there's nothing left to lose. And he's got this kind of, he almost perfecting this, this kind of power punk, power pop formula, you know, where mm-hmm. he's got Breakout, um, yeah. which for my money is still the hardest Foo Fighters song to sing. That's oh, a yeah. hell of a song to sing. Uh, Generator, you know, which is this incredible um, guitar sound on there as well. Uh, Aurora, you know, and that brings Taylor in. And then, you know, the one that you you uh, you joined on, you know, one by one, which becomes a darker sound, a dirtier yeah. sound, a, you know, a, not a grungier sound, but, you know, certainly a crunchier sound. And then, you know, as some of the stuff we talked about, it echoes silence, mm-hmm. patience and grace, where there's a bit of piano, there's a bit of space on the record for the first time. You got In Your Honor with the, the grand experiment with that, Sonic Highways, where they go, how can we make this interesting to ourselves and, and refresh mm-hmm. ourselves creatively? I know we'll go to eight different American cities and record at eight great recording studios, yeah. but we'll write the songs when we get there. Yeah, so, yeah you know, exactly. Again, go and watch the documentary. It's amazing. Yeah. Medicine to Midnight, which I think is a much maligned mm. album. I think it's a really good album. Mm. Um, I think it's got some great songs in there. And he goes, we're mm. going to go disco. We're going to go yeah. Foo Fighters. We're going to go disco. <laughs> yeah. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> but it, it's, it's amazing. And I think the thing that kind of stands out to me is, like you say, there's the creative drive. And also the fact they don't take themselves too seriously. Oh, yeah. You know, with all the, the music videos that are legendary for them dressing up and putting on silly costumes, they're then doing like a DG's, you know, disco <laughs> album. It just shows that in spite of all the fame, <laughs> it doesn't go to their heads. You know, they're still yeah. just silly, silly guys just having fun and just being like, yeah, we're going to write some cheesy disco songs or we're going to put a wig on and play everybody on an airplane you know, for a music video or do a reference to falling down. It's like, yeah, yeah just why not? Yeah, or mess around with Jack Black or play the devil yes. in the film with Jack Black. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. You know, I mean, the fact that he's friends with those guys just tells you everything, right? Precisely. So the th- yeah. I've interviewed Dave Grohl three times over the years. Nice. And they're all from movies, obviously. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, no one's going to put me in a room with him asking about his music. But uh, the first time was for his appearance in The Muppets, where I did the Empire Pint of Milk interview with him. And he nice. was great. And then I interviewed him twice for Studio 666. Uh, ah, once for the okay. magazine and once for the Empire podcast. And is, is he as lovely as everyone says? He is incredible. Uh, you know, just very, very nice, very, very smart, very knowledgeable, uh, very sweary, mm-hmm. very, very much up my street. <laughs> Which is You're great because guy. <laughs> I've never, I've never, I'm, you know, I, I interview famous people all the time. Um, yeah. you know, it's kind of part of the job, but, and I'm, I'm pretty okay with idols of mine in terms of film you know when i meet you know, when i've been lucky enough to meet people like like mm. you know spielberg or or whatever you know i i tend to keep the nerves relatively speaking under control but musicians just i lose it i just fall to pieces 
Right. Okay. But, but Dave Grohl was great. Yeah. So whenever I meet people like Teenage Fan Club, I've met, I've met Teenage mm. Fan Club, for example, in the past, and I have no idea what I said to them. Uh, just, <laughs> just, just nonsense, just gibberish coming out of my mouth. Why do you think that is? I, I think I, I don't know, because I, 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 I understand on some level what filmmakers do. Right. And I don't understand. You know, I'm, I'm a terrible guitarist. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't really understand. I have such, I am such awe of musicians, genuinely yeah. great musicians. I think if I ever, ever, if I ever met Michael Stipe or, or Peter Buck or Mike Mills, I think I'd become a puddle on the floor. <laughs> genuinely no idea what I would say to them. I, I find that fascinating, but I can also understand that as someone who loves music, who plays it, you know, passably. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've had that experience. Um, I mean, I even met one of my musical heroes quite recently at a, uh, a festival. And even though it was like a brief, hello, give you a hug, you know, take a picture. Yeah. Find the same thing of just kind of like, what do I say? What do you do? And I can imagine, yeah, being put in a room with someone like that. Just, you have that kind of like, I think because music touches you, right? So personally, yeah. so deeply, you, you just want to share that with them. You just want to be like, this is what you mean to me. Mm -hmm. But then that can come across as just bleh. You know? oh, and very <laughs> creepy. Very, very creepy. Who did you meet? Who was your yes. musical hero that you met? So I was lucky enough to meet Simon Neal from Biffy Cairo. And oh, wow. Okay. I would, I would say he strikes me as being in the Dave Grohl good guys of rock camp like just very <laughs> lovely very affable very like oh you're a fan of course yes nice to meet you and you know i'm sure he gets that a million times a week but yeah it was just it, it's a nice moment and i've met other people you know my personal hero is a guy called mark tremonti's bands like creed and alter bridge and so on and again same thing bumped met him a few times at signings and you know and yeah you do have that moment don't you of like oh, i want to say everything but also i don't want to yeah come across creepy and come across you know, like i'm going to try and bundle you into a back of a van in a minute or something you know <laughs> i think that's what i said to norman blake once i think i may have, threat <laughs> I, I may have accidentally threatened him got strange uh, looks and then and then move along move along yeah, please yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. They just just looks at the security like keep on this guy so to, to come back to it with dave i mean yeah like, he, he is on my list I'm, i am jealous of you being able to meet him even just once because but then i think i'd have the same problem chris i think i'd have the same thing of like how do i come across just normal <laughs> without being you know like Bleh, but yeah um what would you say no. what, what would you say what, what, what song would you ask about <sighs> that's a really good question that's the thing I've, I've just all of them are reeling through my head now of like what would i pick and choose on um i would probably ask him if he's ever thought about playing the deepest blues of black because it's my wife's well one of my wife's favorite songs by the foods really yeah i mean she's got a bunch of them but i remember we discussed that one like early into our courtship and it's one that's always stayed in the back of my head of like yeah that is a good song and she loves builders she loves ones that build up and dave does that really well right there's he a does. few Foo fighter songs that mm -hmm. i think like come alive or, oh my um, god is it uh, Waiting on a War was, you know, yeah, off of yeah. Menace in the Midnight is another great example. There's loads of songs like that that just slowly, slowly build up and are just absolutely epic. And I tell you the one, actually, now that I think about it, I'd ask for myself mm -hmm. is um, Come Back off One by One. Oh. Because I feel like that's such an underrated song. And it's such a, it's like the teacher off the recent album where you'd like, huh, okay, you're, you're going to 
drag this one out a little bit and play with it and slow it down and like i i think it's epic honestly i think it's such an epic song i've it, always yeah. loved that song it was her longest song until the teacher came along it was yeah, yeah kind of like seven minutes long something like that and it it, it comes so to this wonderful end and then builds again mm-hmm. slowly but i just have know. all those questions of like yeah what made you want to like slow that down and put yeah. in some acoustic layers and then rebuild it and because it, it just feels like this really huge yeah just epic song and i'm like what happened there like just just out of curiosity like what made you want to do that and i'd have i'd have a million questions for him <laughs> my first one would be can i come and live in your house <laughs> can i just, <laughs> just put me in a spare room somewhere and <laughs> yeah why not that, but, that, probably... but that's when you cross into the creepy zone that's <laughs> ah, fine it's fine he, he gets it he gets it he knows how it works uh he's probably I'll, got I'll a big my enough services, house you know I'll, um, i'm a window cleaner by trade so i'll just be like i'll bring my van i'll bring my kit i'll just live on site and <laughs> i'll clean, clean your windows mr girl i'll polish your guitars yes oh uh, yeah I'd bit of windowlean on the guitars, yeah, exactly. uh, that'd be that'd be amazing. Yeah, no, I mm. love I love a good um, foos build as as mm. <laughs> to coin a phrase. Yes. Uh, I think there's a there's a couple of amazing tracks, but honestly, from Echo Silence, Patience and Grace builds really really beautifully as well. It starts off acoustically Ooh. and then and then mm. you know, goes uh, completely berserk by the end. Yeah, uh, and the closing track on the color and the shape is uh, New Way Home. Which yes. is just this the, the end of that song is just wonderful where he starts whispering the and the lyrics and it gets slowly faster yeah. and faster and more intense and and then it finally, mm. you know, wigs out by the end of it. And I was delighted to see that they uh they've started playing that on the on the new uh, on the new tour. Because I I've been obsessively logging on to setlist.fm. Oh, okay. Every okay. Every time they do a gig, I'm going, okay, what are they playing? And, you know, and I, again, I hope to get tickets whenever they, they come over next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I go, okay, what are they playing? What are they playing from the new album? When are they playing it? You know, have they played the teacher yet? Have they, have they, yeah. have they unleashed 10 minutes of the teacher? How do you end the teacher in a live yeah. setting? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, exactly. It's stuff like that I'm fascinated by, yeah. Because it just yeah. cuts and you're like, it's just this wall of, of noise yeah. and then mm. it just stops um, yeah. on the word goodbye. But it's also 10 minutes long. And mm. then do you have that thing, you know, where you have 50,000 people who've come to hear the hits and then mm-hmm. the new albums mm-hmm. just come out and then you just drop the 10 minute track that maybe people haven't got quite used to yet. When do you do yeah. that as, a, as an artist? Uh, so I've been, I've been looking at that. And so as far as I can see, they've played most songs from the new album. Uh, in a live setting, I don't yeah. think they've played, for, for understandably, rest yet, because I mm. that's such a intimate, personal song, and mm. it also I think I just don't think it would lend itself to an arena setting. I think that's a that's a, an acoustically lo-fi, mm. intimate fo- uh, venue kind of deal. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I mean, this you mentioned it earlier, and there's stuff like off the in you're on a disc too, which is beautiful or you know mm. like stranger things have happened which is you know, I think yeah off echo silence yeah beautiful acoustic numbers that you're like yeah unless you go and see them doing an acoustic show you're not gonna hear that in the stadium don't mind that personally you know like <laughs> 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 um, as much as i would love to see that that would be an amazing show yeah they're a stadium band they're gonna yeah. fill out the arena nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that you know, and so, so they've, they've been bringing back New Way Home. They've been bringing it back. They've been playing Aurora, yeah, because it was Taylor's favorite song. And, oh, d- yeah. Um, I, when you mentioned it earlier, that is up there as well as one of my top songs from the yeah. series. I absolutely adore that song. Yeah, 
yeah, I've got I've got it. Um, I used to think that Aurora was my favorite Foo Fighters song, and then oh, yeah? there's just something about Everlong that I think mm-hmm. is just undeniable and primal. Um, Absolutely. And when I said earlier on, you know, there's an argument to be made. It's the greatest song ever written. There's, I, I'm mm. not kidding. I think it's extraordinary. I find myself singing it all the time. I'll just go around. I won't even just sing it. I'll start, I'll just start singing the opening guitar part. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, which is weird. But I'll just walk around the house going. And that's what I'll do. And then I'll go. Then the drums come in and it's amazing. I need to do it on the next Empire episode, by the way. I will. People will be listening out to that. Oh, they'll be, they'll be transfixed. They'll be, they'll be throwing tomatoes at me. Stop. Yeah. Shut the hell up! Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I love that song so much. Uh, I tried to I tried to do yes. a, a top ten Foo Fighters on on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and Ooh. I and I couldn't. Yeah, I, I'm I don't know. I'm kind of. I've had this discussion with a few friends before on Twitter about you know like bands do this right when they bring out an album. There'll always be these articles of like, what's the best album or the best song and ranking. And I, I'm always like, I don't care for those discussions now. I just mm. think each thing's different. Each thing's unique absolutely talk about your top 10 but i'm with you and like trying to pick that for any band especially for a band like the foos it's like depends on the day honestly yeah. like yeah it, it could be any of the, all the ones we've mentioned so far for me are all in there but i could not tell you what order they're in they're all just jumbled up in my head i'm like Ugh, couldn't tell you you know and like say ever long it's and you go oh, what about tender and what about all my life and what about walk and what about and you get off okay (laughs) well it's it's tricky as well because i think that uh with a couple of notable exceptions Mm. he starts albums really well and and there are pretty much you could make a top 10 foo fighters tracks list and seven of those could be album openers you know you could have something from nothing you could have the pretender you could have all my life you could have um Mm. you could have um Oh Lord, the one from Wasting Light. Yes, yeah, Burn, Bridge uh, Burning. Bridge, Bridges Burning. Yeah, you get yeah. a Bridges Burning, which is incredible. You could have uh, stacked mm-hmm. actors from There Is Nothing Left to yes. Lose, which is this amazing, amazing opener. Run, uh, so concrete can, and gold. Run, yeah. In Your yeah. Honor, I love the in slow build of In Your yeah. Honor as well. I mean, yeah. There's just some absolute bangers on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So you you could you could have you could have a field day. But yeah, yes. for me, it comes back to Everlong. I know it's not a track, it's not an album opener, but it, it comes back to Everlong. Have you ever mm. seen the um, the final episode of David Letterman's chat show? And No, I have uh, to look this up. It's an amazing performance of Everlong because when he had major heart surgery, he somehow got into the music of the Foo Fighters. Uh, or nice. no, I think he, he'd, he'd had the Foo Fighters on his chat show loads and loads of times over the years and had become a big fan and so yeah. whenever he was recovering from his major from I think it was like a triple heart bypass or something like that Whoa. you know he was he was near death and in the re- recuperation period afterwards he really really got through it with the help of the Foo Fighters and so nice. he requested that they play 
his last ever, they play him out on his last ever show. Amazing. And it's this incredible version of Everlong where they, they yeah. elongate the outro and it's just, you know, a montage of great moments from David Letterman's shows throughout the decades mm. to Everlong. And the ending just goes on forever and ever and ever. And it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, Love that. So yeah, check out that version. It's a, it's a belter. I will. Speaking of chat shows, I take it you've heard the Christopher Walken story. Yes. The Foo Fighters. The Foo yeah. Fighters. The Foo Fighters. <laughs> One of my absolute <laughs> favorite. And again, just leans into like that silly, cheeky nature of the guys, you know. Um, oh, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll probably even put the clip in here. There was once when we did Saturday Night Live and Christopher Walken was the host. Amazing. And he comes up and he's like, he said, he asked us if the accent was on Foo or Fighters. And we know who he is. Like, of course, we know how he speaks. And we said, uh, the accent is on Fighters, actually. So he, he goes up How did he ask you? How did he ask you? I'm not going to say that for Because he goes, no, because he goes up, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters. <laughs> Because I, I knew that's what happened. I was like, don't say, most people say Foo Fighters, but the way Christopher Walken says it, Foo Fighters. Hi, I'm Chris Walken. I'm hosting Saturday Night Live this week with musical guest Foo Fighters. That was a belting clip. Loved it. It's such a good one. I know. But yeah, just, just for him to set people up like that and just have fun um absolutely awesome i will be checking that out actually after this I'll, I'll probably put a list together of things for people to check out in the show notes that will be on there we mentioned it earlier about the side projects i'm curious while you're here like what, what's one of your favorite or arguably your favorite uh side it, project of dave's i'm not a completist i'll be honest with you mm -hmm. um and this may be cheating but uh you know his work with tenacious d and queens mm -hmm. of the stone age that sort of double whammy he did where he pops up yeah. playing drums on the uh, the uh the, the first tenacious d album and i think mm. the pick of destiny as well i think he's a, the drummer on, on those those songs I as think well so yeah i'm pretty sure he is um yes i think he is and um uh but yeah queens of the stone age i think you know um song Absolutely. for the song, song for, for the, the dead death. yeah oh hang yeah. on let me just do it again uh Yes, so is it song for the deaf or song for the dead? Where the where the, where it's the incredible drum intro. I think a song for the song for the dead. But um, I will Google be, that. It's now. track four. It's track four. Cue the Google jingle. <laughs> oh, what's his name? It's time to Google. I've got it, but Google's being annoying. It's one of my favorite albums. I mean. The th while I'm stalling, one of the things I absolutely love about it is Songs for the Dead. Yes. the name of the album. Um, is it's just, it's one of those, and it's the name of the, tra it's the title track as well. Songs for the Dead, everybody. There we go. Track four. It's, yeah. It's just, that is also like a seminal, defining album in itself in whatever you would classify Queens of the Stone Age as they are their own genre, I'm convinced. But like, <laughs> that's what, another one of those, just like top, sort of 10 noughties, like iconic albums to come out. And he's just on the drums. He's just there, <laughs> you know, just laying down some absolutely amazing drums. I mean, like you said, you think of Songs of the Dead, that amazing instrumental bits that he plays, you know, that really great riff, and then just the ba bum bum ba 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 And it's like, you can hear it in your head. And Or I think of, obviously, No One Knows has played a lot on the radio. But yeah, yeah. That's the drum beat. The, the drum breaks, the, my God. The, 
yeah, yeah. and the drum breaks and you just you're listening to yeah. it and you're like this is brilliant yeah this is genuinely brilliant and again he just did that you know in between Foo Fighter albums as you do it's not it's, it's not the same like, thing in a way what? but it reminds me a little bit of sometimes when you get old stager filmmakers they come back after a while like George Miller when yes. he came back and made Mad Max Fury Road and he was like mm-hmm. yeah I've been making films about singing penguins but I can do <laughs> I can do this as yeah. well and yeah, it felt to me with yeah. with uh, with with Queens of Stone Age in particular, mm-hmm. that Dave Grohl was like, "Yeah, I've been, I've been singing, I've been fronting a band for the last couple of years, but I can do this as well." Mm. And you know, I, I'm not a drummer, and I'm sure there are people out there who who'll go, "He's overrated as a drummer," uh, but for me, he's he's truly one of the greats. Uh, you know, mm. I, I saw someone on Twitter trying to denigrate his drumming a, a while oh, ago. And it's just come on, come on, come, come on. on. Come okay. On. Okay. You've you've yeah. you've made your point. You've got your attention. Now move along. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like no. He's been on some of the most iconic albums of all time. Get get in the bin with that comment. I'm sorry. <laughs> just like it's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like yeah. You, I, I'm used to these conversations of of people that go being contrarians in my opinion. Basically, just going well. Actually, I'm not sure that Foo Fighters is one of the best. It's like oh, shut up. Like that, there's a reason why millions of people around the world turn up at their shows there's a reason why he's asked by bands like queens of the stone age to come and drum for him because he's good he's good at what he does <laughs> if they thought he was terrible he wouldn't have got the invitation Absolutely. if he's truly as bad as you think he is you know man on twitter <laughs> I, I don't think that would they would have made the call and they wouldn't have asked him to come on tour and they wouldn't still be friends and doing projects together. You know, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's maddening to me, but yeah, there's so much stuff. I mean, did you check out, um, the, them crooked vultures? That feels like the I nearest did. spinoff. Yeah. yeah did, what did you yeah. make of that? I liked it. It's a good album. I listen to it every now and again, or, or a song will come on from, uh, on iTunes when I have it on, on shuffle. Mm. Uh, it's decent. It's decent, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad that he, he saw the light again. And went oh, back yeah. to the foes because he he was wavering. I think you know he's talked about that. Mm. He was wavering for for a while, and it was very very tempting to sit behind the drum kit and have none of that pressure of you know, yeah. the, the attendant pressure of being a frontman in a band that was that was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't know exactly when they kind of crossed the Rubicon and became one of the biggest bands in the world. It it mm. feels like it was probably around around one by one or around yeah. Yeah, maybe, I'd, maybe. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I remember Echoes and Silence when I became aware of them, and that's why mm. I think that might be the first time they did Wembley. Mm. And that felt that always feels like a special one, doesn't it? When a band can fill out a stadium, and you're like, "Oh, okay, you've you've done something here," you know. And that probably yeah. in no part has a lot to do with the fact that songs like The Pretender were just all over the radio, you know, every day. Um, still are, yeah. you know. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Right. But and, again, and live, they're just an astonishing band as well. I mean, I, I know yes. someone who was a complete and utter Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl skeptic, had written them off as kind of, you know, the nice man of rock and not very mm-hmm. interesting and a bit milk toast and a bit vanilla and a bit middle of the road. And yeah, he shouts every now and again, but aren't those songs, you know, formulaic? Don't they all sound the same? And then she saw them at Glastonbury a few years ago and she came mm. back evangelical about them she came back yeah. you know in the uh you know just playing playing Foo Fighters constantly um yeah. I don't know whether it lasted but I think it did I think it did and I hope so my wife loves him as well like we don't have a mm. lot of musical stuff in common my wife and I um but 
Uh, we've seen Foo Fighters together a couple of times. The last time mm. we both saw them was when they did a gig in Brighton, a very, very small, intimate gig in Brighton. Oh, nice. Uh, a few years ago. Um, and I cannot even remember. I just managed to get tickets. Uh, yeah. I, I got very, very lucky. It was in Concord too. And um, I kind of almost wanted to leave it there. I'll be honest mm. with you, because it was such a great gig. Yeah. Uh, at one yeah. point, he brought up the the lead singer from the UK Foo Fighters, the UK's leading Foo mm. Fighters uh, tribute act to sing yeah. White Limo, which was mm-hmm. incredible. Um, and it was just, apart, I think apart from the absence of Aurora, it was pretty much like the perfect Foo Fighters yeah. set list because they were they were staying away. Like, I, I love Best of You. I, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm happy with not hearing it again, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a gig where they were playing deeper cuts and album stuff and it was really really great Love and I, I walked away from that going you know what if that's my last Foo Fighters gig I'm happy with that uh, yeah. and then Taylor died and that kind of changed things yeah understandable um, yeah, I remember hearing about that uh, that show actually so fair, fair play for getting tickets to that complete fluke was... didn't yeah. pull any strings no favours nothing complete it just <laughs> got through got through on the uh, on the website Love that. Um, yeah, and, and I'm with you. And that's the thing I, I'll all say to anybody that is skeptical. That's like my first go-to point is see them live. Because yeah. even if you think, oh, the songs are simple, song, blah, blah, blah. Just see it live. Because that's where the magic is. They are, there's, again, there's a reason why they sell out stadiums. There's a reason why people go to their shows. It's because they are just incredible. You know, and it's, Again, I truly believe as someone who's been to an, what can probably be described as an unhealthy amount of gigs, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I have a problem, but still, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to put on a truly great show, you know, one that is memorable, one that will stay with you. And I've always said that, uh, and, and this is above my favorite band, I would always say that the Foo Fighters are the best live band I will ever see. There are a couple wow. of bands that get very close. There's a couple I can think of at the top of my head that are like nearly there. And I think we'll probably get there one day. But there's just something about them. It's just, it's the energy. It's what they bring to the show. And again, I think it's because they love it. You know, the fact that they will bring up tribute band singers or they will pull up guests. or They, they have no ego. There's no frills. It's just, we're here to put on the best show for you. And the fact that Dave is, you know, quoted as saying like, I might, if people are going to pay big prices for our shows, then I'm going to put on like a three hour set. Love that. Absolutely love that. Cause it just shows that the man's just dedicated to like, well, you've given me your hard earned money. I'm going to put on a show for you, mm-hmm. you know, cause I don't know about you. I've been to shows before in the past where I've paid through the nose and the band's been on for like just over an hour and I've come away <laughs> bitterly disappointed and thought like that was terrible, <laughs> you know? And they yeah. don't play any of the hits and it's all the new album. And you're just like, oh, I d- come on. <laughs> but with the Furies, it's like, you're going to hear it. You're going to yeah. hear it. And it's going to be incredible. We're going to give it some willy. Uh, yes. That's for sure. Yeah, I love that. I do, I do think that they could probably knock the covers back a peg or two. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes some of the, the elongated solos and the extensions of yeah. songs... You know, it's like, okay, that's, that's I, listen, I love them. It's fantastic. And you've just done, mm. you've just done, you've added another three minutes on to, oh, off the top of my head, you've added another three minutes on to all my life, or, all my life or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And 
that could have been another song. Uh, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. If I'm obsessively yeah. writing this down for setlist.fm, it could have been another song. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, it's fine. You do you, Dave. You do you. Yeah. It's worked out pretty well for you so far. Good it has. It has. The other thing is don't talk so much. Um. Oh, I love that. No, I love that because he's he's tremendous. You know, after years, Yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, you know, I, I don't go to as many gigs as you. I haven't, I haven't been to as many gigs as you. Um, but I'm, liter- I'm literally looking at a wall of tickets that I've just spread. Anyway, yeah, go on. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. But, uh, you know, I've seen R.E.M. a whole bunch, obviously yes. not in the last 12 years. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, you know, I've seen R.E.M. a whole bunch. And after years of, you know, of just having Michael Seibe between songs going, thank yeah. you. Or you know this is REM. Or the, you know, mm. you know it's it's it, it's it's good to have someone who actually tells jokes and, yeah. and, li- and yeah, connects yeah. with the crowd. I'll give you that. I I do like a bit of interaction and warming up. Yeah. And I think that is part of being a good frontman for sure. Um, it's just yeah, sometimes there is a little bit of like six minutes now. <laughs> Go on, um, and I bring this up as well because garlic like bread. He's, he's, like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. We're not here for this for the comedy. But you don't see white dog poo anymore. <laughs> exactly. But um, a shout out to my dad who uh, who told Dave Grohl to shut up. Actually, at one gig we went to, in a nice way. I found wow. this out after the show because we all got separated, and um, I think yeah, he was sort of doing his thing of strumming a chord, and and I think he's even going on about yeah, you know, I can talk, I can talk all day, and then he suddenly stops, looks down, and he goes. Oh, oh! You you want me to shut up, do you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, everybody! This, this guy wants me to shut up. Okay. All right. He goes. Okay. This next song's for you. And they go into my hero, and that was like, oh, that was cool. And then we all met up afterwards. And then my dad was like, yeah, that was me. He's like, I was on the front row, and I was just sort of stood there, like just doing that. And then and he caught Dave's eye, and and, he's like, and then my dad just went, yeah, yeah, hurry up, hurry up, come on. He's like, yeah, yeah, That's play amazing. a song, play a song. That's amazing. Uh, but he got but he got a song dedicated to him, so it worked. But there you um, go. yeah, it works. But yeah. There goes absolutely. my hero. There goes my hero. Yeah, a very fitting song, um, indeed. You don't want me to talk too much, This right here is like shut up. Shut up. Shut up, play a song. It's a tactical song. it's it's just funny man again it's when you consider all of this like everything we've discussed and all of the the projects and just to come back to what you said earlier chris the drive that this guy has for music i just don't understand why some people just want to give him a hard time or want to be like you know oh it's formulators it's like they're important you know again I, i feel like maybe i'm being too dramatic here but i genuinely again feel like they're in the discussion with bands like queen like beatles like all these mm-hmm. other legends mm-hmm. and it's not about whether you like them it's not about whether you like the sound or the songs or whatever it's the fact that they make an impact you know on on mm-hmm. music and as someone who's a died in the wall rock and metal fan i i will just wave the Foo fighters flag it's like we need this band <laughs> we we need people like this yeah. to remind everybody that Rock bands are still relevant and you can put on a great show and, you know, I mean, God bless Taylor Swift selling out all the stadiums and I wish her nothing but the best, but it's like, that's cool. But I must like, 
yeah, but I want to see bands doing it. I want to yeah. see guys like this coming along and just going for it. Yeah, they feel they feel in a way like the like kind of the the last of a certain generation. I mean, I know there are other bands that came up around the same time who are mm. you know who are arguably just as big and important. Um, yeah, but but yeah, they they do feel like the last bastions of a particular type of of rock band and a particular type of rock music. Uh, I just mm. love them. And I, going back to what I said earlier on about about mm. Kurt, I just think there's a certain Kurt was so obviously tinged with genius. You know, he yeah. was so he was so obviously super smart, and his lyrics, you know, you you could you could spend hours and days analyzing them and looking for hidden meanings. And Dave is more of a straight shooter. He's a little bit more. He you know he mm. tells it like it is. There's not a great deal of illusion in his lyrics. They're they're very very straightforward for the most part. Um, and so mm. I think he's he's less obviously tinged with the genius gene uh, as mm. Kurt, but. It doesn't mean it's any less present. And no, it's just a different approach. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful. Actually, it's like one of those things where you have, you know, say the Beatles, mm. you know, who just happen to have. <laughs> it still blows my mind. Three of the greatest songwriters and singers of all time in mm-hmm. the same band, and you know, it's obviously there's other bands who have that as well. But mm. things that got blow my mind, and when you look at, you know, Nirvana had Kurt Cobain, mm-hmm. but the guy in the drums was pretty decent as well. Yeah. And I, I love that. <laughs> I love stuff like that. I completely agree. I mean, yeah, as I said earlier, it, it just talk about a mountain to, to climb, right? You know, in terms of all that pressure and the fact that we're here now talking about them. They're here after decades of doing it and reaching dizzying heights. And here's the other thing as well. I don't think Kirk Cobain would have wanted to do the stadium stuff. No. I think you could you could say that there would be enough people to turn up and see the show. Not no doubt about that, but I could not imagine him doing this sort of thing. You know? No, I think he you know, I think Michael Stipe talked about this that you know they were beginning to talk about collaborating and they were they were talking about going in a more acoustic introspective direction. Mm. Uh I I just don't see Cobain ever doing that to be honest. Um and that's no slight on Dave Grohl uh, at all. Mm. Um, I think I think he had. I don't know. It took a it took a really traumatic uh, tragedy for mm. him to really kind of step out of of Kurt's shadow. Um, mm. You know that that can't have been easy at all. No. Uh, but no. but I think it's also clear that he was someone who had very very different goals. Yes. Ultimately, than Kurt. And, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree more. And the end results have just been absolutely wonderful. And yeah, I, I I'm with you, mate. I I genuinely, genuinely agree with you in this point. I think there is there is something to it, and yeah, and I always that's my hope for for someone like Dave. I mean, not that he needs our our pity necessarily, or you know, I think he's doing okay. I he's think doing he's all right. doing all right. But I do agree, though. On a serious note, yeah, there is some there there is some just desserts that need to be had there. Of like, no, no, give this guy the credit he deserves. You know, there's a yeah. reason why he's here today. It's not just dumb luck. It's it's a lot of hard work and it's a, a different kind of talent. Mm-hmm. And it's not one is better than the other. You know, mm-hmm. it's a conversation I keep coming back to during this podcast. The more I've done it, the more conversations I've had with people about different areas of life is it's like everyone's just muddling their way through. It's it's all fine. You don't ha- not one's better than the other. It's just 
that's his approach and it resonates and there's a reason why so stop whinging about it and just go and listen to them and or go watch them live you know <laughs> and if you don't like it it's fine just don't yeah. at me and chris on twitter we don't want to hear about it yeah just don't ask us for refunds for the tickets no exactly and uh, it's very expensive <laughs> but chris before i kind of sign off i just wanted to throw it over to you was was there anything else you wanted to discuss i mean we've gone all over the map with this but is there anything that you wanted to bring up in terms of Foo Fighters? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we haven't really talked about the guys, have we? We haven't talked about the band oh, themselves. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, apart <laughs> from should. Taylor's. Uh, Taylor's? Yes. Apart from Taylor Taylor's? Hawkins. Taylor's? Who's Taylor's? Um, mm. uh, Taylor's is the character played by Ben Mendelsohn in Secret of Invasion. Um, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're great. Uh, you know, mm. um, they're not great actors, as Studio 666 showed. But okay. I love Pat Smear. I mean, that that guy, mm. he just stands up there on stage. He strums a, a guitar and he just mm. looks like he is the happiest man alive every single yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, Shiflet, Chris Shiflet, you know, again, to be able to play lead guitar in a in a band where you have Dave Grohl as a front mm. man is, is takes some doing. Uh, Nate Mandel is great bassist I mean he's you know there's mm. there's a wonderful groove nothing at all which is my second favorite uh, track on the new album mm-hmm. you know is is led in large part especially live by by him Josh Freeze looks like he's doing really really well as the yeah. as the, the new drummer uh, and and Rami mm. <laughs> Rami the keyboardist I don't know if there's ever been a more superfluous member in a rock band <laughs> but I love that guy I love his general vibe. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, but they, oh could, my they could maybe have a triangle player, maybe, maybe. Oh, I'll take that gig, you know, <laughs> straight up. I'll put my absolutely. hands up for that right now. And listen, um, on the on the previous two records, and this record, and then the previous yeah. one, Medicine Midnight. Yes, you can you can hear the the keyboardist. There, there's more stuff going on for yeah. him. It's not just wall to wall guitars, but mm-hmm. on stage, like literally, like his keyboards can be sometimes just buried in the mix, and he's doing that thing where he's just going pressing yeah. one finger down on the keyboard, but he's yeah. rocking out and just absolutely like, loving it. I could just show up with this thing and just you know <laughs> have have as much much of a good time. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's. Again, something I love about it as well is, as we say, obviously Dave being the main songwriter and, and what have you. What's interesting is when you follow the trajectory of the band and when each of these guys come in, the sound does evolve. Mm-hmm. You know, there is space for them to come in and you notice, yes, things start to shift. Um, I, I remember listening to um, Chris Shiflett, you know, talking about it on um, uh, Friends of the Podcast, actually, over at Tone, uh, Jason Tone. And he his sort of I mean he's doing country stuff as well like mm, that's the thing they're yeah. all free to do like solo projects all of which are worth checking out and yeah he was sort of saying like the interview he was kind of thinking oh I'm just gonna play some chords keep it simple treat himself as like a sort of hired gun but from the minute he said he stepped in it was it wasn't that feeling he got the impression that the band wanted someone else to bring their flavor to it and and add things to it and. And you hear that, you know, mm. you hear that in the albums where they all join together. There's a lot more lead stuff going on, which is quite interesting. And yeah, I just, I just find that fascinating. And the more you sort of watch and you, and even again, Pat Smear coming on, you think, really, do you need another guitar player? But then you listen to like Wasting Light and the song approaches are completely different. Mm-hmm. You can hear Dave accommodating for that now and going, mm-hmm. oh no, actually we've got to add some extra layers in here. And it's brilliant. 
you know you listen to it and you think my dad always says you know because he's not a musician but he's like i don't understand how they have so many people up there and it's not just noise <laughs> you know like seriously how you don't have one just going you could do without that guy and there is there is skill to that you know there's only a handful of bands in the world that will have three guitarists because usually two is more than enough so yeah yeah it takes some skill and like you say the fact that they all look like they're just having a blast you know none of them have yeah. that kind of jaded rock star kind of like oh this again kind of look on stage they just mm. they're all beaming smiles we're all just like let's do this yeah you know absolutely and they've been doing it a long long time as well it's nearly 30 yeah. years nearly 30 years and uh you know now would be about the time when you know they probably should be deemed deeply uncool and I'm, I'm sure there are people who do think they're deeply deeply uncool but i don't know there's something about them that that they still have this relevance and mm-hmm. you know they can still produce if they can still produce music as, as good as the music they're currently producing then i think we're we're happy i don't think they're going to mm. become parodies of themselves like the like the stones or no you know the or the way or or what you two have become um i think they're yeah. gonna i think they're gonna constantly challenge themselves having said that mm. it, you know would you be surprised if at the end of this tour they went that is it that's it and we're gonna you know mm. you, you know, we're gonna go our separate ways and dave's gonna do his own thing solo because the thing about the foo fighters is you know expect the unexpected it's true i mean there's been a number of times in the past where they as you've alluded to you know we're having perhaps issues or not really feeling it and did kind of say yeah we don't know if we'll ever come back and every time i kind of thought well, that sucks, but if that's what they want to do, fair enough. You know, you've left a good legacy, so mm. who knows, Chris? Yeah, if this is like who the knows? last hurrah, I think it would be a shame, but also I, I respect them to make that decision, you know, and if that's what they want to do, then fair enough. I'd I'd rather a band do that. I don't know about you, Chris. I'd rather a band do that than get to the point where they're sort of 80 years old hobbling around on stage you know, they mm-hmm. can't hit the notes they used to hit. They can't play as fast as they used to play. And it just kind of gets a bit sad, you know, and you just sort of look at it and go, oh, okay. Yeah, I agree. Although I will mm-hmm. say this, Dave Grohl is nailed on for the legend slot at Glastonbury 20 Absolutely. years from now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, and well-earned, I think. <laughs> well-earned, for sure. Indeed. Well, Chris, I'm just going to wrap it up here, and I just wanted to just say thank you so much for making this happen. Um, this is this has been amazing, genuinely. You are. I'm not just saying this because you're here, but you are one of those people I've had on my list of like dream guests for quite a long time. As someone who listens to Empire every week, um, yeah, just a real honor to have you on. I'm glad we can oh, make this you. work. And yeah, I'm so sorry it took so long. No, don't apologize. It's completely fine. And I guess to take us home for. The three people that maybe don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming most of the people here are here for you, and that's totally fine. I but if in case that. they don't know, oh, trust me, they're not here for me. I can tell you that much. But <laughs> but yeah, for those people, where can they find you and your work? Uh, they can find me. I'm on Twitter. Is that Chris Hewitt? Uh, I'm on Threads, but who cares? Uh, as <laughs> CTAH1976. I'm on yeah. Blue Sky, something else, probably Chris Hewitt, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Instagram mm-hmm. is CTAH1976, but Twitter is my main game, despite Elon Musk. Uh, mm-hmm. Despite and to spite Elon Musk, I am remaining on Twitter. And, uh, Likewise. 
Yeah, and uh, and also because there's more going on on Twitter still, and if you create mm-hmm. your timeline and you get your your filters and your settings quite right, it's actually a really pleasurable experience, and you don't have to be exposed to right wing um, idiots yeah. uh, all yeah. day long. Uh, just a little bit of advice for everyone out there. But anyway, yes. um, uh, I I host the Empire Podcast and the Spoiler Specials, which are subscription only, but the Empire Podcast is free and that is out every Friday with additional special shows every now and again as well. And on that, we talk about films, we review films, we have a bit of a laugh and we interview famouses. Yes. Including Dave Grohl. Yeah, there you go. And that's a great jumping off point if anyone's not checked it out yet already. It's... It's a wonderful listen, truly. And again, I'm not just saying that because you're here. It is one of my like traditional weekend listens. Oh, bless it's, you. Um, it's brilliant. So, yeah, thank you ever so much. And I'll make sure to put links in that for the three people that don't know where to <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Harley. Thanks, man. And there we have it. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of all things Foo Fighters. I think you'll agree with me when I say that that was a fantastic episode and a perfect guest for the 90th. If, for whatever reason, you are not familiar with Chris's work over at Empire, then do yourself a favor and change that today. I've left links in the show notes where you can go and check out the Empire film magazine and the podcast. It really is worth your time. As I said in the episode, it is a regular listen for me. I mean, it's Empire. They're one of the biggest film journalism outlets in the world, and the podcast is an absolute ton of fun to listen to. And if you are a fan of the podcast, then why not check out Helen O'Hara's episode on this very podcast? She did an episode with me all about June a little while ago. You can have a little flick through your podcatcher of choice and find that episode. It's well worth a listen. As I'm sure you're aware, Helen is another wonderful podcaster and an excellent addition to the Empire team. So make sure you go and check all those things out if you haven't already. Go and hit Chris up on Twitter. Let him know what you think about the Foo Fighters. Do you agree with him? Are the Foo Fighters perhaps better than Nirvana? Do you have a favorite song or album you'd like to share with him? In any case, you can reach out to him via the links in the show notes, as well as myself. You can reach me on the various social media outlets I've left in the description of this episode, including a Discord page. I'm going to set one up for this very episode, so if you'd like to share your thoughts about the Foo Fighters with me, then by all means, jump in there, send a message, and I'll get back to you. I would love to hear from you. And if you have enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please consider doing just a few simple things. The first and most important is just to tell somebody. I really don't mind how you go about doing that, whether it's word of mouth, social media, announcing it from the stage whilst you play to 100,000 people in the stadium. That would be really cool. Any way that you can do it, would really go a long way to helping out the podcast, helping it to reach people. And ultimately, that's what this is all about. It's just sharing these conversations with as many people as possible. So if you can help me out in that endeavor, I would be eternally grateful. You can also head over to various merchandise and donation pages for this podcast if you'd like to throw in a few pounds towards the episode. You can get yourself various bits of merchandise featuring the fantastic artwork by one Alex Jenkins, if you fancy it. All of that is in the show notes for you to explore as well. One more thing I'd like to share with you before I sign off is that I had the pleasure of guesting on another podcast. I said a few weeks ago I was going to share a few episodes and this is my final one. I was lucky enough to guest on the fantastic podcast Another Happy Pod. 
It's run by two fantastic previous guests of this podcast, Lawrence Heisey and Nathan Bauer. They were kind enough to have me on their podcast to discuss my favourite film of all time, Blade Runner 2049. It's episode 128 on their podcast feed, and I've also left a few links in the show notes for you to go and check it out. So go give it a follow, even if you don't listen to the episode, just give those guys a follow. They do a really wonderful job and deserve your support. So once again, links are in the show notes for that. Right, that's enough from me. I'll be back the week after next. I need to take a little break because I'm putting together a mini-series for you guys and it requires a lot of editing. But I promise you it will be worth the wait. So until then, go and check out Empire, go and listen to the Foo Fighters, and I will meet you back here for another episode of the podcast in a couple of weeks' time. Take care.